Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Raising the Vibration right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. Please join us at LiveParanormal.com, iHeartRadio.com, and many of our affiliates, which is Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, and the list goes on and on and on. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host here in Los Angeles, coming to you live from my home in Southern California every Tuesday at 5 o'clock Pacific time. This show was originally created as an outreach for my nonprofit movement of peace and love and kindness and unity, RaisingTheVibration.org. And I started that movement in 2016 after my mom's passing to honor her, both spiritually and from a humanitarian perspective, to carry on her teachings. She believed those were the four things that we needed more of in the world, peace, love, kindness, and unity, that those four elements, those four words, were the keys to the success of the human race. On this show, we've added more cornerstone words, which are ascension, evolvement, inspiration, and love. Yes, I doubled love up, but love is all there is. Basically, how are you working to raise your own vibration? How are you working to ascend? How is that ascension leading to your overall evolvement spiritually? And also your earthbound self. And then what are you doing to take those two wonderful things that you've amassed and how are you using them to inspire others to send the elevator down and bring 100 people up at a time? And then, of course, love, because put love in it. In this show, I gather people that I love and adore from my spiritual life, from my entertainment life, from my nonprofit life, and we talk about what's your service, what's your passion, why are you here and what can you do to make the world a better place? My guest today is a wonderfully talented and multifaceted musician, producer, writer, painter, speaker, and meditation guru. It's an honor to have him back on the radio with me. And on this show, for the very first time, please welcome to Raising the Vibration, the wonderful David Young is here. How are you, my friend? It's wonderful to have you here. Nice to talk to you, Sheena. Great to talk to you too, my friend. So, um, how are you? How are you? How are you doing? Obviously, the world has shifted in the last almost three years since the pandemic began. Uh, still, kind of going on in some ways. Um, for you, where did that time of slowdown, of for some people shutdown, of introspection, how did that lead to your ascension and involvement? And um, how did it change where you were going and where are you going now? Well, before COVID started, in the couple of months before it started, I I intuitively knew that I was not supposed to book any events because I had done 
500 meditation events called A Portal Between Heaven and Earth all over the country between 2014 when COVID started. And so fortunately, I didn't have to cancel anything because I knew intuitively that, um, that I wasn't supposed to be booking any events. And so during COVID, I did a lot of painting. I did a lot of writing. I put together a, actually a comedy television series called Outrageous and Unholy Divine Comedy, which was a comedy based on my fourth book that I wrote called The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalene. And so I right. worked on that screenplay for two years, and, and that's finished now. And I'm just starting to do events again and I'm you know after doing four events a week an average of 16 a month for six years um, it, it was nice to have a little break from it but I'm really really enjoying starting to do my events again um, just because it's nice to share that energy and to share you know the musical gifts that I have and the storytelling gifts that I have and you know so I'm getting back into it now and I'm really enjoying getting back into it. I'm in Hawaii now and really, you know, enjoying sharing my music again in a public way. That's wonderful. Are you finding that people are very eager to come out and to live events or are people sort of, um, I mean, I think being around people, my mom used to call it people skills and she used to say it's a muscle, right? It's to get out and be around yeah. people is something that you get used to. And sometimes when that's taken away for a period of time, it becomes hard to get used to going out and doing events and things again. Have you found that it's been people have sort of been trickling back in or did they flood back in? I mean, what's it been like as far as getting people out? And also, did you do any events via Zoom during the pandemic? Did you do anything that way? I did some Zoom events Um I did a you know a bunch of Facebook lives and that was that was good you know um, actually during COVID one of the things that I did while I was living in Rochester New York during COVID is that I did a free concert every Saturday night in my backyard where I lived from my from my community and you know people were not allowed to pay anything because um, I didn't want their money I just wanted to be able to give people something beautiful to go to that you know, because there was no entertainment anywhere in New York State. And it was it was great to do that. Um, I really enjoyed that. I have found that I started to do my events again in June of this year, but the world was really not opening up yet. Um, I found that, you know, before COVID, 80% of the people would come to events in person, and maybe 20% of the people would go online with a Zoom or 10%, you know. But then uh-huh. after COVID, it, then it was upside down, you know. So, you know, most of the people had been, you know, used to, um, you know, doing everything online. And so I am finding that just now, it just feels like now people are starting to be more comfortable with coming out and doing events again. Yeah, I agree. It was agree. a slow wake-up for people, you know. Right, and in California, there were two big areas where they reopened everything, and I tried to teach live events, and people just didn't want to come out. 
but things did fantastic on Zoom. And it sort of taught me the miracle of Zoom. And I don't know that I would do something in person now that didn't also have a Zoom element to it. I mean, if somebody hired me to come out and do something, I'd do whatever they wanted. But as far as events I produce myself, I think everything will always have both options now because it made me really realize um, how many people that are either out of your area or unable to come out and do things in person um, are are really really also needing and wanting to be a part of everything. And I think that's a beautiful thing that the pandemic taught us because I think you should always look for the, the beauty and the tragedy, right? was that we've learned Mm -hmm. how important it is to do things on the Internet and be able to reach our international audience so everyone can feel included. Um, That's such an important thing. My spiritual services, which are now just tomorrow happening again in person after all this time, um, I have no idea I'm on Saturday, but I know we have a big audience that watches. And I think however people want to come out now, is fantastic, and we're just learning a whole new way to do things. I remember in my 20s and 30s when my main hustle, kind of my side hustle from radio, was I was a music promoter. I mean, that was my my full-time job. Um, Always wanting to create a virtual club where people could pay an admission, go in, see the band. There'd be an area where you could buy the merchandise. That was a big dream of mine for a long time. And it just people just weren't ready. But I think now people are really ready for that kind of idea of getting your your music, your comedy, your spiritual workshops, whatever it is, um, online. And that way you're opening yourself up to an audience of people that that just can't come out and see you, whether it's because of location or ability or whatever it is, you know. And I think that's really a beautiful thing because I'm so much about inclusion. So I love that the pandemic gave us that gift of of people believing that, you know, Zooming is enough. It isn't a less than to doing an actual in-person event. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, me too. I've also noticed some differences in, in people. Um, one of the things that I've really noticed is that, you know, when I started to do my meditation events in 2014, there were a lot of things that I was teaching and sharing with people um, that were were not really mainstream yet. You know what I mean? And I feel like now there's so much more spiritual conversation that people have had. Like during the last couple of years of COVID, you know, everybody got into meditation in one form or another because it was like a survival tool. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like before COVID, um, you know, whether you meditated or not, it wasn't, you know, it, there were a lot of people it was not important to. But in order to survive, you know, the isolation that, that some people had and the loneliness that, that some people had and the disconnection from all your friends and your your everybody – um, yes. that, you know, finding inner peace became not just a thing, well, do I need inner peace or not today? You know, it became, oh, my gosh, I absolutely need something to help me get through today. So what is it going to be? Is it going to be like a yoga class on a Zoom? Is it going to be a meditation on a Zoom? And 
the other thing that I found is that in the last five years, there's so many things in life that went crazy, that things like we never, we never had conversations about those things. And, and honestly, I've never heard the word unprecedented, precedented so much in, as I yes. have over the last three years. And I think as, with as much as a, a difficulty it was as an obstacle for people to find happiness with that, dealing with that. But I also think that because life has gotten so crazy over the last three, four years, that things like near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences or meditation, these things don't sound so crazy anymore. You know what I mean? You know, there were people who woke up early. Like, I woke up early. I got into meditation 39 years ago, you know. But there's a lot of people who have woken up in the last five or ten years um, that weren't really interested in spirituality 30, 40 years ago, you know. But now it's really, it's been integrated into our lives that it's, you know, everybody knows somebody who meditates and does yoga and or does massage therapy or channeling or Reiki or, you know, these things used to be really on the outside of the mainstream of life. 10, 20, 30 years ago, but now these things are, they're everywhere. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. And I I think that um, uh, sometimes spirit shows us trauma in order for us to grow because sometimes human beings are, don't really get up off the couch literally and figuratively and get motivated unless there's a reason to. I mean, like an event like 9-11, right? So many people together. Everybody was behind each other, and everybody was behind New York, and everybody had each other's backs. And then we forget about it. We all kind of go back to being grumpy and fighting with each other. And then another thing happens, and then we all get together again. I mean, I think it's, it's just that sometimes we need to be reminded that unity is really what it's all about and that being motivated spiritually is really what it's all about and that working on making your better you every day is really what it's all about. And sometimes we learn more of that when we see tragedy around us, when we are going through trauma, um, when we are going through adversity, right? I mean, that's when we really want to get it together, right? Totally. You know, we live in a unique space where we're supposed to not be afraid of the future, but also at the same time really appreciating the moment that we have, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it's, so, it's so weird because, you know, life goes on and then all of a sudden something, some tragedy happens and we realize how temporary life is. You know, like yesterday um, – I was in Hawaii, and um, you know there was there was somebody who basically got eaten by a shark yesterday. I mean, two people were on vacation, a, a man, a man and his wife, and the shark bit this man, and then just took his his wife, you know, away out into the ocean, and she has not been found, and you know she has to be dead, and it's just a right. weird thing to think that 
you know, you could be having the most beautiful vacation of your life or just having a beautiful moment and life life can change. So it's 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 weird that we have to really, really appreciate and live in the moment and live in gratitude for the moment. But, you know, there's a part of us that wants to worry about the future or prepare for the future. It's just kind of... It's just an interesting thing how, you know, you can be planning your whole life for your future. And then, you know, in, in a minute something happens and and your future changes. It's, you know, that's, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. Right. Live for today because you get eaten by a shark tomorrow. Right. It's, um, you know, I talk no, about so, this all the so time because I, I grew up in Surf City in Huntington Beach, California, and I, I live there again now this summer. I I kind of moved back and made this my full part-time residence. I still have my place in the city, but now this is mostly where I am. And, you know, when you grow up in a surf town or anywhere on the water, and as a kid we moved around, but we always lived near the water because my dad was a design engineer who in his free time built wooden boats. Um, if you're going to be in the ocean, you have to know the sharks are there. They have as much reason to be there as we do. And their agenda is to eat, just like our agenda. We eat animals, right? We eat animals and they eat animals. So in a lot of ways, we're the same. Uh, They're a little more courageous because they actually find their own prey themselves. Um, But you, you have to make the decision, right? And I talk about this when I teach all the time, and I use this analogy. Are you going to stay out of the water your entire life because you fear the sharks? Or are you going to enjoy the water and know that that's a possibility of something that might happen and know how to guard yourself, go in the water if you're bleeding or, you know, you don't wear a seal suit and shimmy around in the water. I mean, and and I, I use it a lot when I teach about narcissism, how you can't live your life scared to ever be in love or make a friend because that person could turn out to be a narcissist. But you also have to find a way to guard against it. And at the same time, you can't, always shake your fist at the sky and ask why, why, why? Because the answer sometimes is just because, right? Because all different types belong here. And um, I would like to say it would be great to you have know, an ocean without sharks, but it really wouldn't. There wouldn't be an ocean without sharks. So, um, right. and, and there that, wouldn't be if we didn't know what negativity was, right? Sure, but the thing is, is that we've been given given a survival tool. Think of well, what is your most valuable survival tool in your life? In my opinion, the most valuable survival tool is your intuition, because your sure. intuition is in that moment. Like, you know, before nine eleven happened, one of my friends was working at the World Trade Center on the top floor. And on 9-11, wow. for, for no reason at all, he wasn't sick, he felt great, but for no reason at all, his intuition told him to take the day off. Yeah. There was no reason, no logical reason why this guy would have taken the day off on a beautiful day. Do you know what I mean? There was no, you know what I mean? It wasn't a planned day off. He got up that morning. Something inside him told himself, told him, Take the day off. Now, yeah. our logic, our practical part of ourself could have gotten in the way for that guy. And he could have said, well, well, he could have convinced him out of, out of it. 
He could have convinced himself, well, I have no reason to take a day off. I have nothing to do today. It's not practical or logical for me to take a day off for no reason today. He could have convinced himself out of it by being logical. But whatever it was, he trusted it enough that he did not go into work that day because he worked on the top floor of the World Trade Center. He would have never, ever survived that. Yes. And so that's why I say our intuition is our most important survival tool because that's that's how we can protect ourselves when we don't even know there's danger in the water in a way, you know? Yes, yes, it's true. And you have to listen all the time to what your intuition is telling you to do. And we don't, right? And then you have those kind of face flat moments where you think, oh, my God, I should have listened. And I feel that way pretty much almost always when I don't listen, that something shows me that I should have listened. But, um, yeah, it's the, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's the, it's that, uh, and sometimes if it's meant to be, it will happen anyhow. It's kind of like those, the horror movies, Final Destination, right? Um, mm. it's, it's sort of like that, that in a way, my, when I was, um, in my teens, my best friend was coming to pick me up. Uh, and I was like, I always was as a kid. So she went and did everybody else and picked me up, got in a major car accident on the way to get me. As a matter of fact, when she woke up in the hospital, she thought I was dead because everybody was there and not me. She hadn't remembered they hadn't gotten to pick me up yet. And that was always the thing that I had dodged that, right? A few years later. I'm in an accident in my car and have pretty much the same exact injuries in a lot of ways that she had. So it was sort of like that experience was meant to happen to me, and somehow I dodged it, but it was still waiting for me because there are certain things in life I think you have to go through, and you can't always avoid that, you know? It's true. It, it really is true. And there are certain things in life that we can protect ourselves from. If we're in tune, if we're listening to our intuition, and the best way for us to listen to our intuition is to meditate because then we get used to hearing that inner voice, hearing, listening yeah. to our inner guidance. That's, that's one of the things that we increase as we meditate. You know, my, my first book that I wrote was called Divine Inner Guidance. And it was about the incredible things that happen when you listen to your intuition, as well as the yeah. incredible things that happen if you don't listen to your intuition. Because, you know, one is incredibly good and the other is incredibly bad, you know. Um, yeah. If there's anything I would ever change in my life, it would have been that I would have really taken listening to my intuition and those gut feelings more seriously when I was younger in life. because. I just didn't think you had to take those. I didn't think you had to listen to to those intuitive nudges. I I I I thought there was a part of myself that actually enjoyed resisting listening listening to my intuition. Um, up until you know, I had so many terrible experiences when I didn't listen to it that eventually it's like, wow! I if if my goal in my life is to have the most peaceful joyful, enjoyable life that I can have, well, I got to listen to my intuition because look at the terrible things that have happened when I didn't listen to it, you know? (laughs) Right. 
Yes, exactly. Yes. That's so true. Um, when did you start in your life really, really committing to listening to your intuition? That's a good question. Um, because part of human nature is that we listen to our intuition for a certain amount of time. And then because things are going so well, because we're listening to our intuition, human nature eventually tells us, you know what? You don't have to listen because everything is going so good. You can just yeah. do what you want. That's natural because, you know, you could have a, a year or two where you're, you're really focused on it and um, you're doing it. And the natural thing after a while is to think, oh, I don't have to listen to that. I can just do whatever I want because everything's going so well. And right. then we make a mistake, and if it's a costly mistake, then it just means it's gonna we're gonna be thinking about it a lot longer than if it was not a costly mistake, you know. Um, right. And you know the interesting thing for me about about this thing is that, like, we have this illusion that because we've mastered something in a previous life, that we would automatically be a master of that in this current life. And I have to tell you that the way human nature works, it does not always work that way. It doesn't, I mean, there are people, myself included, that have done things in other lifetimes in a masterful way. But when human nature got involved in this lifetime, I made the wrong decision. I didn't listen to my intuition for whatever reason it wasn't. And so the reason why I'm saying that is to really humanize this whole thing because you know, if we study spirituality for 30 or 40 years, we definitely get to higher levels of consciousness. Um, we get to learn how to listen to the clues of life so we can make our life better by taking the guidance that that is being offered to us by our guides. But there's a certain amount of it that every once in a while it's natural to make a mistake and just to think that you don't have to listen anymore and that everything's just going to go perfect whether I listen to my intuition or not. That's that's human nature. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And we're always going to make mistakes. That's part of learning and growing, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how sure. we learn sometimes. Sometimes we learn in triumph and sometimes we learn with stabbed up knees. It just depends, right? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. And if, you know, if you've ever had, um, if you've ever lived with a teenager or somebody who um, hasn't completely matured into an adult yet, um, however way is the nicest way to say that. But if you've ever had a teenager that you've been trying to teach something of, it's very natural after a certain amount of frustration has gone on where that person hasn't really listened. You know, it's natural for a parent to say to a teenager, do you want to do this the hard way or do you want to do it the easy way? And yeah. life teaches us the same way because our, our guides will give us guidance of something to do or something not to do. And our humanness, our human nature gets in the way and thinks, well, really, what could be the worst that could happen? Why shouldn't I do this, you know? And that's when, you know, something happens that we really wish we hadn't had to, had to experience. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's very true. Um, with the messages that you receive from spirit, all of us having survived this last three years of growth and change and uh, for some, a lot of sadness, grief, what are you really, what are the messages that you're getting for what you should be teaching now in workshops? Um, that's a great question. I'm teaching people that you got to develop, you got to meditate, you got to develop your inner connection with spirit. Whether you call that your connection with your guides, your angels, it doesn't matter what you call that. It doesn't really matter what you call them in the heavenly dimension because they in the yeah. heavenly dimension are all one team. Like in this physical world, we separate every religion from every, you know, you either go to this church or that temple, that synagogue. Nobody goes to multiple churches ordinarily because people are brought up in one religion. They're taught to only go to that. And we're, we're taught to support our religion the same way we're taught to support our local baseball team or our local football team. Okay, you grow up yeah. in New York City, you're gonna be you're gonna be a Giants fan or you're gonna be a Jets fan. You know what I mean? You're brought brought yeah. up in this country and you're gonna be a Hindu. Or you can brought up be brought up in that country and you're gonna be a Buddhist or a Christian or a Jew or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But we we in this physical world we're taught to separate everything. Through judgment, we separate everything. But in the heavenly dimension there is no separation. Everything is connected by this amazing thing that's called oneness. And so there are not separate religions in heaven because Buddha and Jesus and Moses and Krishna and Mother Mary and Isis and Kuan Yin and Mary Magdalene and Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel and Gandhi and Martin Luther King and John Lennon and George Harrison, they are all connected. They are all part of this one team that they like to call the heavenly team. Because they're all, right. all on the same team working with the same goal. And the thing is, is that um, during my years of spiritual study um, and of teaching, I, I've learned so much about what happens to us um, when a person has a, a near-death experience. And one of the things I always talk about in my workshops is that there's been over 20 million Americans over the last 35 years that have had a near-death experience that was documented by their nurse or doctor in the hospital. So what does that mean? Well, there's different ways that you could look at that because one way that you could look at it is that those 20 million Americans who had a near-death experience, and many of these people have described heaven in the exact words, okay? And what that means is that in those 20 million people who had a near-death experience who experienced what heaven is like, there have been millions of Christian people and millions of Buddhist people and millions of Hindus and millions of Jewish people and millions of pagans and millions of everything who are all describing heaven in the same way in their medical records. And so what that means, that means everybody goes to heaven because there's people from every single different religion that are describing heaven in their near-death experiences in the same exact words. Right. Right. Yes. That's and isn't that interesting how we stop here, like you said, it's such a beautiful thing you said, David. 
down here we love to categorize. Everything is about boxes. I had a friend who said something brilliant once. He said, people will love to tell you they don't believe in boxes while they tell you every box they belong in. And (laughs) it's true. We like to separate, right? It's about categorizing everything. And at home, there's none of that. It's also sometimes I have to explain to clients, there's no age at home, there's no race, there's no gender, there's no sexuality, there's no, all of that is biological earthbound concepts. Um, People always want to know, what's my spirit guide's name? And I always say, you know what, anything you want to call your spirit guide, if that side that you identify them as, they are happy to, to answer to that. Sort of like when you adopt a cat, you name the cat Mittens, the cat's name is not Mittens. The cat's name is something in cat language, but it graciously answers to Mittens, and so will your spirit guides, right? Right, and check it out. So if let's say you name your cat Mittens, and in, in an America, Mittens is an endearing, wonderful name. Well, in some <laughs> other country, Mittens could be some horrible word. You know what I mean? It could be the worst thing you yeah. could call call somebody, you know? And that's that's called judgment, right? Because we have a, a judgment. They don't have that judgment. There's just acceptance. In heaven, it doesn't matter if you call your cat mittens, and nobody's going to be offended. You know what I mean? Because everything in, in heaven is based on love. Right, right, right. So They're how not trying you to make things point? so complicated. Yes. Go ahead. I agree. Based on what humans do complicate things. My mommy used to say humans are just smart enough to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> with, with what you just Good said, one. David, um, where, how do you quantify what happens to negativity? People who did negative things here, negative energy in the universe, where, where does that all fall into your, your spiritual cosmology okay well i'll tell you how i how i talk about that from the perspective of where i was at before i became spiritual okay so in 1980 till 1982 i played the part of angus young in an acdc tribute band that was one of the biggest bands on the east coast from buffalo to baltimore to boston and nice. we did one-nighters everywhere. And, yeah, you wouldn't know this by listening to my flute music or my pretty songs now, you know. And, you know, I, we were a real tribute band. We all dressed up like the guys. And, you know, we traveled and we did stupid, crazy things that 19-year-old kids traveling in rock bands did. And one of the things that I did that was really n- not smart was I used to start food fights. When when we were in Burger Kings and McDonald's, you know, I'm 19 years old, was getting wasted every day, playing in a rock band, doing what a guy in a rock band does, and that's what I did. And I I did that for about a year and a half, and then I actually got bored with it, and I stopped doing it. But when I left that band in 1982, um, I needed to get a job, and I had never really worked a job because I had been a musician you know, and it, I was 22 years old, and I had to find a job. And so I, this guy called me up. I answered a, an ad, and the guy called me up about this janitorial job, you know. And so after talking to me for 10 minutes, he said, well, you know, you sound intelligent enough to be a janitor to work for me. Um, why don't you meet me tomorrow and, 
you know, if if I get a good feeling from our first meeting, I'll I'll hire I'll hire you. So I met this guy the following day at a you know at a Burger King, and after talking for ten minutes, the guy says, "Yeah, I really think you're smart enough to be a janitor." Um, and I said, "Well, what are the hours?" And the guy said, "Well, they're from midnight to six o'clock in the morning." I said, "Man, that's strange hours." I said, "Where where is this janitorial job?" He said, it's right here at this Burger King. He says, there are these kids that come in every weekend, and they throw food all over the windows and the floor and everywhere, and I need somebody to clean up the mess that these kids are making every weekend at at my Burger King where I'm in charge of the janitorial thing here at the Burger King. Now, that's very obvious, but the funny part about it was that I didn't make the connection (laughs) that I didn't make the connection until I was telling one of my friends about a year later what I had been up to the last couple of years. And then I'm like, holy cow, I had been throwing that food all over the windows and floors being a total idiot as a 19-year-old kid. And now I have to clean up a mess that other kids, oh, my God, maybe there is a thing that's called karma. Maybe there really is. You know, Maybe we actually have to be responsible for our actions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? But it's that those are those crazy coincidences, right? Yeah. But you know what? As, you as we get more, uh-huh. as we mature spiritually, as we mature spiritually, we start to make the connection between these things. You know, um, we get we start to make the connection between also between the beautiful things that we do for people and how those beautiful things come back to us. You know yeah. what I mean? Learning about karma is not just learning about, oh, man, I don't want to do this stupid stuff because it's going to be painful if, if, it, if I do it or it's going to mess up my life if I do it. Then you get, after learning about that, then you want to do as many beautiful thing as, things as you can because if you want to have miracles in your life, and be the miracle. Everybody wants yeah. miracles in their life. Every spiritual person wants, they're reading books, meditating, and everything because they want more miracles, more spirituality, more aha moments, more magic in their life. So the thing is, is that you can learn to become a magical person and you can be a catalyst for that magic in your friends' lives and in the lives of the people that you're just meeting every day because that's what random acts of kindness are all about. It's all about just being good to somebody for no reason. Yeah. That's how this world becomes a better place by more and more people realizing every time they leave their house, every time they go into the supermarket, that is a chance to make a new friend. And we've been yeah. so separated by everybody from COVID. The people in our lives have become more important the last couple of years than ever because we need friendship. We need support. We need love. And the way, if we don't have enough friendship and magic in our lives, then we have to be more friendly and more magical to people. So this way we have more of that magic in our life. So by creating it, we get more of it ourselves. I 100% agree with you. Yes, absolutely. Um, hey, Sheena, do you really have to argue with me with everything I say? <laughs> I, right? I'm, I'm so horrible. I'm so, I'm so, 
Okay, so let's talk about our magic moment. So I'm going to talk about our magic moment because I was just telling the story on my talk show that I want you to come and do my web TV talk show um, last week. So you and I met because my friend Mia Peoples, when I first started my nonprofit movement, I was doing gatherings before I even was a minister or anything. And she came and did one of the gatherings, and you were in town visiting her, and you came. And that's how we met. So completely clandestine, right? Somebody I love is somebody you love, and then we hooked up. You happened to be in town just a couple days. I happened to have an opening on my radio show, and you came in and did my show. And you were talking about some dates you had just been in upstate New York at the chapel of the Sacred Mirrors. And I went and looked up the chapel of the Sacred Mirrors and found out that that actually is on the property my mother grew up in, in her house. Their, Their chapel is actually the home my mother grew up in. Now, that is like the trippiest yeah. thing. So that inspired me to contact Allison and Alex Gray, who are there now. Then I had them on my yep. show. They invited me to come and scatter my mom's ashes on their property at some point because my grandparents' ashes are both scattered on that property. Isn't that the strangest thing? So yeah. you kind of let those me hold in a way. Yeah, the you know, those things, you can't make those things up. You know, they're, they're just so, so synchronistic. It's so magical. It's so perfect. You know, those, those, those things are great examples of what happens when we're really listening to our intuition and, and trusting our guidance to talk about the things that our intuition is guiding us to talk about. If I hadn't yeah. talked about yeah. I mean, that's not some. I never talk about Alex and, and Allison Gray in my interviews, you know what I mean? Because I have my own stuff I'm talking about. But it was so perfect the way that worked out that your mom grew up there. Isn't that the most bizarre thing? And I think that um, you, I think you had just done shows there before you had come to L.A. You had just been there doing workshops. We started talking about workshops, yeah. places you like to do workshops. Randomly, you brought up Cosm. You said Waffinger's Falls, and I was like, oh, my mom grew up in Waffinger's Falls. I mean, can you imagine when I went to look it up and I saw the house that my mom grew up in? I mean, my cousin got married there when I was nine, and I was a flower girl. I mean, to see to see that house and go, well, wait a minute. Last time I was there, we were scattering my grandmother's ashes. And for Allison and Alex to be so wonderful and embracing, and I'll tell you an interesting story. That, I, that you don't know, we talked about on the show when they did my show, and I want to get them back on again too, um, about some supernatural slash paranormal things that happened to my mom when she was growing up in that house, and they have had the exact same things happen to them on the property. Amazing. So amazing. And for my mom to have been this sort of closet psychic, the entire her entire life until we moved to California and she was in her 50s, um, for her to know um, that her childhood home has turned into this healing space for so many people. I mean, I can't even imagine, you can't even imagine how that lights her soul up from where she is at home, right? Because uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's like that would have been her dream for that to have turned into. I mean, when she grew up there, it was basically a factory town. My grandfather owned the factory, and everybody there pretty much worked in the factory, and there was nobody in that town. Now it's become such a booming place. 
And um, yeah, uh, I'll, and I'll tell you another story related to it that just happened. I encountered a woman who watched one of my spiritual videos, and she was telling me how grief-stricken she was because her daughter had been murdered. And we got to talking, and she sent me the article that was in the newspaper when her daughter was murdered, and it said Wappingers Falls on it. And I said, my mom grew up in Wappingers Falls. And she said, really? And I said, uh, yeah, have you ever heard of, of Chapel of the Sacred Mirrors? She said, oh, my God, that was my daughter's favorite place. She went there all the time. That was like her spiritual home. You know what I, I have mean? to tell you that, yeah, it's amazing. You know, the house. thing about – going to happen with that house. I mean, it's so bizarre, but but I think spiritual spiritual hubs, right? You they they move from human to human. You pass them like when I die, I'll leave my niece all my crystals. It's like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where that yeah. house has somehow found light workers wherever it goes. So you know what Alex and Allison Gray have done with that place is such an inspiration because yeah. if if you're any kind of an artist in, involved in creativity in whatever way, to go to their place, it is so incredibly inspiring. It, it's, like, it's just like being in a museum, but it's, it's like a more modern museum because, you know, Alex and Allison's paintings are not from 200 years ago or 500 years ago. They're from, let's say, the last 20 or 30 or 10 years. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I've actually, um, that I've actually learned spirituality for, for me is that, you know, the, we think about, if, if you think, well, what is the most one, in God's eyes, what's the most wonderful thing that we can do here on earth? And, you know, a lot of people say love. To love people, that's the greatest thing that we can do while we're here on earth. But there's something else that I have found um, that is at least on that level, if not higher than that level of importance in the eyes of the creator. And that is to inspire others. Yes. Because God knows that this human life is not easy. And if there was any way that it could be made easier, I'm sure they would have already implemented it. You know what I mean? They're, you know what I'm trying to say? God knows that yes. this, this physical world can be so channeling and, and challenging and and painful at, at different times. You know what I mean? And so people on earth need somebody to look to to inspire them. Whether that somebody is Gandhi or whether that somebody is Martin Luther King, whether that's somebody who's John Lennon or Chris Martin from Coldplay, I'm right. People need some people need someone to think of as an example to give them hope in times when they don't have hope. I agree. I agree. And I think that sometimes intention, you know, when my when my grandparents gave that house up because my grandfather's heart was so bad that he couldn't walk the property and he couldn't be away from his cardiologist. So they moved to New York full time. Um, His biggest fear was that somebody would tear that house down and turn it into like condos or something. So he donated it to a Unitarian church. And when I was a kid, it was a place where they brought inner city kids that couldn't afford to go to camp up to there and Mm. they could, it was a camp. 
and then it became like a med- like a like a uh, like a self help retreat for a while, and then it just kind of fell into ruins. And it was my mom's biggest fear before she died that while it was in ruins, it was just going to get mowed over. But I think it got historic landmark status, so then that saw that. So when a family came, because you know the house is hundreds and hundreds of years old, and only three families have ever lived there. The original family that was there since like the eighteen something. And or 17-something, and then my family, and then the greats. So for a house to be that old and have only had three families live in it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, just the most amazing thing. And that it's been set up, you know, my mom was a, was a, a child therapist, taught a mostly disturbed kids. My grandmother was a very renowned child psychologist for the day. So for it to have been a place that helped kids and then to have been a self-help wow. place, how to be the spiritual hub with my mother's huge metaphysical psychic gift. I mean, it's just like it's it's like a resonant reflection of of the people who have lived there. And I think that is such a amazing thing. If you could, that's one of the biggest reasons why that story and you and Cosm is one of the biggest reasons why that I decided to move back into the house here that I grew up in instead of selling it and buying something else because. All the time my mom spent here healing people, you know, she really told everybody about her gifts. She healed people kind of on the down low. I wanted to be in this healing space and turn it into a healing space. And that's what I'm kind of doing. I'm going to teach workshops here and I'm going to have classes here and retreats here. And with all of her energy of the 42 years she lived here, you know, um, I think yeah. that's very important. I think we need to think about that as spiritual people, the the objects that have helped us to heal people, the, the places where we have been that have been very healing, um, because the more healing you do in a space, the more it becomes a healing space, right? Yeah. Just in the yeah, same for sure. way that the know, more you work with – I'm sorry? A lot of times people have been hesitant to share spirituality. Um, but really in the last four or five years, it's so much more acceptable to talk about spirituality, to talk about all of this stuff than it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. And, you know, you can, if you're meeting somebody out in public for the first time, you can ask a question that's not too, that doesn't sound too crazy, that doesn't sound too deep and spiritual, but you can test the waters with somebody to see if they're open to talking about spiritual things because so many more people are openly talking about spirituality now that we're not talking about it 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And you don't really have to worry so much about people thinking you're weird or crazy or, you know, too, too out there because a lot of the things that used to sound crazy or weird 10, 20, 30 years ago these things are now accepted. They're normal now. People don't get freaked out when they hear about a near-death experience or when they hear you're doing yoga or, or doing Reiki healing, you know. Um, these things are part of our, our, the fabric of our lives now. It's not so weird anymore, you know. I completely agree. Yeah, and isn't that wonderful that, that it's not just something that my mom is secretly reading in the dark in an Edgar Cayce book in 1959. Now it's like something yeah. that you can walk into the store and say, I'm looking for books on this, and they have them. You can walk into a Walmart 
and find stuff like that. I mean, it, it really is amazing how open people are allowed to be about their spirituality now. I always talk about all the closets in my life I've come out of, and honestly, one of them was the spiritual closet, and it was and the psychic yeah. closet after that. Those were hard, especially growing up uh, in Orange County here where it was so conservative in the 80s. Um, you know, I remember a lady came over once to uh, – the boss's wife came over to approve our house for a Super Bowl party for all the people my dad worked with, and she told my mom she had to put her fairies and dragons away because they were offensive. <laughs> I mean, now for me to be able to talk about living here and being a psychic and be totally open about everything, um, the world has changed for the best. And it's given people options. Look, if you still want to be a super hardcore Christian or a super hardcore fun whatever, you can. But you also have all these options now to find your spiritual palette and be whatever it is that you want to be. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Um, my friend, yeah, I agree. Burned- um, I don't know how we did that. I think we bent space and time, but we're completely out of time. Will you come back and do this with me again? I would so love it. There's so much more for us to talk about. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Oh. Where can people find you online so they can get to know you better before you come back? Sure. I can go to davidyoungmusic.com. That's my website. Um, and my Instagram handle is davidyoungmusic.com soul ascension and i have a public figure page on facebook under my name david young i think it's under david young music and you could go on to youtube you know youtube there's plenty of things on youtube you could watch and that's under david young meditation yeah hey it's been great talking to you you too. You're in joy, and I'm serious. Let's do this again in a couple of weeks because we've got more to talk about, and this is such a great time of year to give these messages to people. Sure. I'd love to. The wonderful David Young, everybody. If you missed those links, I'm at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com for all of your spiritual, psychic, paranormal, entertainment. All the stuff in my life is all there. My nonprofit, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, or find me everywhere on Facebook, at sign Sheena Metal. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and know that you are loved and you are loved. And I love you all enough. This is Raising the Vibration on the live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.